Doxology is the study of God, and it's very important. Doxology is an expression of praise to God. So the point here is that all theology should ultimately lead to doxology, to doxology, to doxology. Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's your boy, Jay Will, and you are now listening to another episode of Theology on the Block, where we talk about Christian theology from an urban perspective. I know you've been missing us. I know we've been gone since we've been gone. I'm sorry. I just had to do that. Hey, it's been a couple of months uh, since we have recorded another episode. And going into 2022, we're going to do better. But the best way to do that is we will be dropping one episode a month starting 2022. Uh, that way we can, uh, it takes gives us time to put some work in and also to get some good interviews lined up. But today we have a great conversation lined up for you. Uh, but before I get to our conversation, this podcast is brought to you by City of Refuge. City of Refuge is a new church plant in the Eau Claire community of Columbia, South Carolina that is seeking to call, connect, and commission all to Jesus, his greater family, and to the mission of God. Hey, to the man. Hey, there we go. Somebody please get this dude a DJ gig. <laughs> he is, you, I, I can't. Pastor, like, the, Pastor Jukebox. Yes. See, the, voice that you, the voices that you are hearing, my host is back. They held hostage <laughs> again. I'm sorry. but <laughs> We are in an enclosed space right now. It's, it's, it's a little creepy. Uh, yeah. And the voice that you are hearing, one of the voices, is my dear friend, the theologian of theologian, the archbishop of the the Kojic, the Church of God in Christ. You better stop. The, the regional district. No. The regional district uh, director? What, what is what is the position called? I'm, I'm going to get a message about that, probably. <laughs> <laughs> the theologian, the one and only, Wayne Penn Jr. <laughs> Hi, hi, Jay. How are you? The, the right reverend. <laughs> I've missed you, brother. I haven't been able to do this in a while. I missed you too. No, I told y'all I've had withdrawals. I, I, it's, it's been it's been a good bit, but he, no, he I, has, I appreciate. He has Stockholm syndrome. You know, when you get kidnapped, the sooner or later you're gonna uh, start missing the ones who kidnap you. So he has Stockholm syndrome. I kind of like you, so I guess that fits. <laughs> yeah, but no, no, no. It's great to be back, man. Really good to have. Really, just this atmosphere, just this combo is is always dope for me. So. No doubt. No yes. Doubt. The yes. intros, I can, you know, I can do without. Well, I'm glad to have you back, brother. <laughs> I am glad to have you back in the booth one more time. Uh-huh. And as we talk about being back in the booth, let me uh, welcome back. Welcome back, 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 back again. Oh, you Eminem? <laughs> welcome back. Welcome yes, back. back. Welcome it's, it's back. Guess who's back, bro? <laughs> it's, it's, I'm, I'm welcoming back. <laughs> You're welcome back. That's the, a church version. Like, inter- welcome back, Carter? Like, uh, I was lost for the, a second. The internationally known... The urban apologist. Mm, mm, mm. The, the what's the female version of urban apologist? Urban apologistess? I don't know. I don't know what this. What I it think is. it's gender neutral, I Pastor. Is, I, I know I what that is true. It's gender yeah. neutral. It's fluid. It's I don't it's know. Fluid. <laughs> It's fluid. The, the sister that be getting flued out. Uh-huh. Flued out. I'm just coming back from ETS, the Evangelical Theological Society Conference. Mm-hmm. Oh, and they just loved her there. I got text they messages did. and they everything did. talking about how great she was. She was holding down a whole people. workshop with other professors. Other professors. You heard that, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. John Piper was in the background of one of her pictures. That's John how big Piper was. John Piper. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. The yeah. one and only Miss Titus too. 
Well, I'm glad to be back. I missed you guys. Likewise, sis. Oh. Likewise. It's, 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 it's really been, I've really been hankering to get back and just do this with y'all. Yeah, it's, totally. Hankering? Yeah. Hankering. Hankering. Yeah. Okay. You never heard of that? I mean, I get it. I, I'm kind of surprised. Uh, you being, good, no, you know, no, it the... was a good word. I, I, I've heard it. I'm oh, just, okay. Just, just surprised that was going to pop up on this podcast that is trying to bring theology <laughs> to an urban perspective. <laughs> we are trying to discuss Christian theology from an urban perspective. Yes, we are. Bringing scholarly level talks down to the street levels. Yeah, so we can As use hankering. Hark- hankering. Yeah, yeah. Hark- we can use words like hankering to talk about, you know, the goodness of the Lord. Hankering. Amen. Hankering. Uh, I'm, I ain't gonna lie. I'm stalling a little bit on this conversation because I'm both a little uncomfortable about it, but it's also a conversation that's needed. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, so as hype as you hear me, I want you to know I'm putting on a facade because uh, <laughs> this conversation is a pretty heavy conversation. Uh, it's a conversation that often Christians try to avoid um, or uh, in some some circles. Uh, it's almost blasphemous to talk about, and that is yeah, that's true. Actually, that is talking about grief, um, yep. lamenting, uh, actually feel, talking about the as uh, I can't remember the writer's name, but the J curve. You know, yeah. know. Paul yeah, yeah, Miller. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Paul Miller talks about in the J curve. There is always an upside of our walk, but there's also a very downside mm-hmm. to our walk. Um, so yeah, today we want to discuss grief and suffering suffering and if you have already turned off the podcast i understand <laughs> but i think you should stick around yeah yeah um but just to set the tone i want to read a scripture for us i got a couple scriptures but i'm gonna read this one for us it comes from psalm 88 the most depressing uh psalm in the bible all right <laughs> way to set that up uh, yeah it says uh but i call it psalm 88 starting from verse 13 to 18 it says but i call to you for help lord in the morning my prayer meets you lord why do you reject me why do you hide your face from me from my youth i've been suffering in near death i suffer your your horrors i am desperate your wrath sweeps over me your terrors destroy me they surround me like water all day long they close in on me from every side and listen how it ends you have distant love for me and you have distant loved ones and neighbors from me darkness is my only friend that is how that song ends yeah. feeling that brother you feel them <laughs> yeah yeah and, uh, the reason i think this was such a interesting topic to talk about especially heading into the holidays mm-hmm. um a lot of people are dealing with holiday blues this is a hard season for some as much as we like to look at all the christmas lights and we like to think about the wonders of of of, holi- of the holidays of advent or the christmas years uh christmas time um for many they feel like the songwriter yeah my only friend is darkness right now so i would love for us to kind of just dis- discuss what is a good framework for the christian to work through grief and even how the bible kind of helps us talk through and work through grief so i've started us off real heavy took us real high yeah dropped us real low Seriously. but don't worry don't worry <laughs> uh i'm gonna we're gonna we're gonna see the cross at the end it's Amen. glory at the end uh-huh my lord um, the author of the book suffering in the heart of god Mm. Um, her name is Diane Lambert. She says, grief is not the enemy. Death is. People fight grief like it's a bad thing, but it's actually to help us hope. Mm. 
That's interesting. Yeah. Hmm. So with that on the table, I'm giving you the darkness text, and I'm giving you a psychologist who talks about grief. <laughs> what do y'all have to say? I'm just wondering how grief brings hope. Uh, mm. I would love to hear her hypothesis on that. Yes. Because mm. when I think about grief, like when you're going through it, I think probably probably the hardest thing I've ever gone through is losing my grandmother several mm. years ago. And like, I just remember just like being like, when is this going to end? Like, this just hurts so bad. And as time went on, I woke up one day and realized like, I've accepted it. You yeah. know, you go through whatever the, the phases of grief, like you finally have to accept it. Yeah. And after that, um, life is still easier. But going back to your grandmother's house and her not being there, but yeah. you still smell things that are yeah, familiar. Yeah, yeah. Like just, triggers and stuff. Yeah, yeah. it's mm-hmm. tough. Um, so, yeah, I, I would just be interested to find out how the, the author of that book or whoever made that quote arrives at the hope piece as a christian i i can see the hope in the bible and the gospel and all that but in grief itself i don't know yeah that's that's interesting man well to actually help you put it in frame um put in framework the the psychological forms of grief or the steps of grief uh there are uh, five steps there's denial mm-hmm. um, there's anger there's bargaining there's depression and then in the end there's acceptance so there's grief isn't just a you know you start somewhere it's actually a cycle that keeps going around um but as the author wrote i think she's trying to get at that it helps us build a framework for what hope is like how to find hope because if you haven't wrestled with anything before well what are we actually hoping for yeah Yeah. i think that's one of the misconceptions that a lot of us believers run into too is that we shouldn't wrestle you know we if we had this this grand hope and you know we had this redemptive arc you know the narrative of scripture points to jesus and you know jesus promises you know that he'll be with us you know never leave us nor forsake us we we, we have all these grand grandiose promises and everything in scripture and if we're not careful we can forget the fact that these promises are still applied to people who deal with grief and sorrow and pain and I feel like we don't give ourselves permission to actually feel those things. Yeah. Like we're supposed to just kind of immediately go to the the top of the J curve, you know, where everything is is, you know, flowery, hunky dory. Yeah, I got the victory and all this kind of stuff, you know, I'm I'm not sad anymore, right? But it's like why why don't we give ourselves permission to grieve? Like why is it why is it that we feel we have to be Teflon? Like why why I don't understand that. Like and I, I say that still processing it myself, you know, I part of my motivation for this conversation is you know I lost a dear childhood friend recently very recently like this past weekend as a matter of fact and I can relate to a lot of those stages that you pointed out man like you know there's denial you know oh, is he really gone you know why did he have to go we were praying and believing that you know he, God would raise him up and you know this and that but there's that and I, I don't understand why there's some people who feel that as a, as a believer, we don't have permission to actually sit and wrestle with what we're feeling. It, it's cool to feel those things. God can handle your grief and your anger and your frustration. And it, it, it doesn't reflect on, you know, your faith or whatever. It's not a lack of faith just because you're upset at the loss of a loved one. I think one of the problems is um, we have allowed theologies to come in. Um, that are actually influenced by things that's unbiblical. Mm-hmm. 
You got to think. Interesting. Uh, the American dream is mm-hmm. get everything you want. Life goes the way you want it to. Just dream big enough and do all that you can do, and everything will work out for your 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 good in the end. Mm-hmm. And the truth is, that's not the gospel. It's not. Like that's that's not the gospel. I, interesting enough, there's a whole book in the Bible. There's a, quite a few books in the Bible that deal with grief. You got <laughs> yeah. the book of Psalms. Uh-huh. You got Job. Yes, uh, Ecclesiastes, which for some people, they hate that book because he literally says uh, that a funeral is a better place to hang out than parties. Yeah. Yeah, your, the day of your death is better than the day right. of your birth. It's like, thanks, great. Yeah, yeah. He, see, he seems real cynical. Like, he really does. That's you know? amazing. Yeah, yeah. But I think going to the hypothesis of what he's trying to go to is, yeah, these things are hard, but there's hope. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I look, uh, uh, right now we're prepping the Book of Lamentations as we um, prepare for Lent next year. I'm reading the Book of Lamentations. And in this hard grieving song, Lamentations literally means funeral song or grieving song. Mm -hmm. Uh, Chapter three has just been sticking with me. In the middle of all this grief, the the song, the the, the writer of this poem, we think is, we got a strong sense that it's probably Jeremiah, Jeremiah. Mm -hmm. um, says in chapter three, because of the Lord's faithful love, we do not perish for his mercies never end. They are new every morning. Ain't that sound familiar? Mm -hmm. Great is your faithfulness. I say the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will put my hope in him. This is dead slap in the middle of a song of grief. Mm -hmm. It's almost like it's helping to clear the lens. Yeah. Of where to look. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's why it's important that we spend more time actually in the word. I know that sounds cliche. <laughs> I get it. But but like if you're not careful, we can just, you know, harp on verses like that and only read them for those verses and not look at the context. Like that entire the entirety of that chapter was, you know, Jeremiah lamenting, literally. Yes. Like, you know, verses before these I think in the King James, he's talking about gall and wormwood and you know how just down and out he's feeling about Israel's situation. That's the majority of that chapter. But I think the issue is we, those chapters don't preach easy, right? So mm. it's, it's easy to get the church, you know, hopping or whatever. Romans 8 and 28, all things work together for the good of them who love the Lord. And and yet you, you don't deal with verses or really chapters and sections of scripture that, you know, actually deal with suffering and actually have people in the Bible really processing. Like that psalm you read, man, like, I, I don't think I've heard a sermon on that psalm ever. <laughs> like, <Yeah>. you know... <laughs> But I mean, you know, David processed his grief. He he was very and it wasn't it wasn't like, you know, with that psalm that there was like this this happy ending. It ended on darkness is my only friend. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, I feel like that's refreshing for some people though, because sometimes, you know, even with you reading the right verse at the right time, it's not gonna totally change the mood that you're in. And that's 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 actually okay. Like it's it's okay for us to be able to hold on to hope even while we're still dealing with being down. It's it's a both and. It's not an either or. Yeah, I think that kind of defines the Christian walk. Yeah. yeah. Um, the Christian life is, Jesus said, troubles will come. Mm-hmm. This, this world, you will have yeah. tribulations and trials. Guaranteed. Guaranteed, but don't worry, I've overcome them. Mm-hmm. That didn't mean because I've overcome them, you ain't got to deal with them. Right. Now it's because I've overcome you can look to something greater. Mm-hmm. And I, that, I think that's one of the problems with the, the prosperity gospel. 
oh, that has crept into the churches. Just yeah. like if you just believe strong enough. Um, I mean, people talk about with your friend how mm-hmm. they, you know, there was those few who was like, you know, you can't give up faith. Yeah, we can't accept any other outcome. The, other the Lord than, has you know, the final say. And right, he does. Mm-hmm. And sometimes His final say, yeah. is not what we want. Exactly, hear. exactly. Hi, you sound. You look like you're mulling over there. I wanted to hear your thoughts. Well, I've just yeah, I've been thinking about my childhood coming up in this prosperity word of faith movement, yeah. and just you know, yeah. people giving you all types of formulas for how to mm. pray perfectly so that God gives you what you want and if you don't get what you want it's because you didn't pray the right way yep. and just psychologically what that does to you Yeah. Um, but I, I like what you guys have said up until this point like I guess that already even answers my earlier question like how does grief point to hope well it does point to hope because it shows us that we have hope in, in our savior mm-hmm. like even the book of revelation you see all these terrible things yes. that happen but the end of the book is this picture of God drawing his, gathering his people into the kingdom and wiping away everybody's tears and everybody finally being in a place where you don't have to worry about darkness and sadness and grief and all these other things. Death, the sting of death is totally gone. So mm-hmm. as terrible as grief is, I think we can see how it serves a purpose yeah. in the world as we know it in, in our current life before the return of Jesus Christ, because it still ultimately points back to our need for God. And, you know, it it even shows us how we should not um, build our treasure on earth because yeah. everything that we have is going to pass away. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just so sad to think about all the people that I love, the people sitting in this room one day. One day somebody's going to be burying me True. and someone's going to be grieving me, but I would hope that whoever is left behind hasn't idolized me so much that they completely that's a good point lose yeah. their their sight yeah that's you know a good point. And, and lose sight of who god is in spite of that because all of us are gonna grieve at some point and mm-hmm. going back to your point about the prosperity gospel it, it really just doesn't prepare you for that and i think it's important for us to be realistic and look hey all the prophets most of them went through some terrible things yeah you know david did write a lot of psalms that were pretty disturbing Mm -hmm. paul had a thorn in his flesh Mm -hmm. you know his ministry was was filled up with you know controversy and drama even our lord and savior jesus christ i mean goodness how many people walked away from him yeah but his his devotion was still to god Mm -hmm. that crazy jesus was known as the man of many sorrows Mm You yeah. got to think about it. If, if our Lord and Savior was known as a man who had many sorrows, who are we to think we would never experience sorrow? Yeah. Um, it's to, to your earlier point about, you know, the psychologists detailing the, the steps of, you know, grief, denial in particular. I, I think in a lot of ways to deny ourselves grief is actually to deny Christ in some sense. Mm. Because he, he grieved. Like yeah. he, he literally, even beyond, you know, the the overwhelming you know physical mental emotional trauma that he went through with the crucifixion like he grieved when Lazarus died he cried he wept like he he when felt when John the Baptist was beheaded he 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 felt those things you know he he was touched like you know when he was grieving Jerusalem he said I I I I would much rather gather you know Jerusalem around like a hen gathers her chicks but y'all y'all don't know the time of the visitation y'all don't know y'all don't understand why I'm here my purpose. I would much rather just gather you all around me and and love on you, but you won't accept, you know, who I am. And like he felt, he he lamented, he grieved. Jesus wasn't Teflon. You know, he he wasn't 
untouchable. He he was in all points tempted like we are, tested yet without sin. You know, he he knows our infirmities, he knows our weaknesses, he's well acquainted with it. And so to deny ourselves and not give ourselves submission to greed as believers, I think it, it denies Christ in a lot of ways. Yeah, that um Diane Limber, again, one of her quotes, she said, fighting grief is like trying to drown hope. Yikes. Literally meaning if you're fighting against your own grief, you are not allowing yourself to feel a hope. Wow. Um, and and I mean, I've seen it so many times where when people are grieving, their first instinct is, I just got to get myself busy so I don't think about it. Mm-hmm. Or I have to uh, affix the problem. Or, or, or is it, and again, it's in those stages of grief. Uh, I remember sitting down with a brother um, and I was like, hey, man, you've been holding this in pretty good, but sooner or later you're going to crash. Yep. You need to sit down and process this stuff. You need to talk to somebody. I'm willing to talk with you, uh, I, but you need that space yeah. to wrestle with those hard questions. Lord, why? Yeah. That was the same space Job was in when he was mm-hmm. suffering. It was like, Lord, why? And and the Lord didn't answer the questions in the way we intended, the thought he was going to answer it. But he did point to hope. Mm. He did give him hope. He's just trust me at the end of the day yeah yeah and it's it's not some you know pat easy trust like you know just say it and it'll happen like you know i, I feel like you all been to funerals where mm-hmm. you know they preach them in the heaven they preach them in the heaven Everybody well they, there's heaven. that there's the you know giving cliche answers to you know unanswered questions you know you just gotta trust more and you know just just pray and god or you know see you through you know wipe away your tears you know just it at the end of the day like a lot of those cliches honestly i'm not going to speak to like you know whether or not there were bad intentions from the people that you know say stuff like that because i mean i'm sure they're well-intentioned it's just it doesn't really allow the person hearing it to actually have a chance just to to grieve just to sit and you know what they're feeling yeah okay you know what they're in a better place well that they're still not here right so i'm I'm, I'm still dealing with the fact that they're not here i i I understand preacher or whoever Mm -hmm. (laughs) that they may be in heaven or whatever i understand that but i'm i'm still sad like i them being in a better place means that when i go home to the home that they may have been living in i i still don't have their presence there you know and i think we were talking earlier you know about you know how some stuff triggers our grief you know like Mm -hmm. certain smells certain sights you know some of our favorite songs maybe that we hear you know and particularly what you were talking about man about you know this holiday season i think this yeah. conversation is really relevant i mean so. i can tell you so every thanksgiving um around thanksgiving time i get real depressed the reason yeah. why i buried my grandma the day before thanksgiving mm-hmm. when i was 18 um and then around a certain time in the spring uh i get real depressed the reason why i lost one of my best friends about six years ago and it's kind of a yeah. there's this reoccurring loss after loss after loss and I mean, even to the point, um, one of one of the first times I experienced death from somebody I knew personally was I was about eight, seven, eight years old, and a girl I went to school with got hit by a train. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I didn't understand it at that moment why everybody in the cafeteria is crying. Yeah. Um, but just processing it over time, I'm like, oh, I've lost quite a few people I'm, I'm, I'm like literally I have a running list mm-hmm. and they were really close to me best friends um, 
my, I, I lost a friend playing football with him. I actually saw him a few minutes before he died. Mm. Um, he, he had just had a, he had a heart attack right after I, right after I walked away. Yeah. Um, uh, my homegirl Rashida, like I said, the, the one, the, the girl I consider a sister. Mm-hmm. I saw her, and um, I saw her eyes, and they were yellow because of something going on with her kidney. And I said, "What's going on with you?" Mm. She said, "Oh, you see it too." Two days later, she's in the hospital, and like on severe levels of dialysis. And I get a call five a.m. on Sunday morning. She passed away. Wow. So. I say all that to say is if we just be like, okay, I'm just going to work through it. I'm just going to push through. We set ourselves up to drown mm-hmm. in all the losses because we're going to lose more people. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's why I love what Paul wrote to the first, to the, to the Thessalonians. 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 <laughs> Thessalonians. You know what I'm saying? We got you, Bishop. In um, first Thessalonians, <laughs> when he was, uh, when he was writing in chapter four, he said, we don't want you to be uninformed brothers and sisters concerning those who fell asleep. Um, so that you will not grieve like the rest who mm-hmm. have, no, who have hope. no hope. He's not saying so you don't grieve. He's right. saying you, we just you don't you just don't grieve like those who are hopeless. Exactly, exactly. And he says, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, in the same way, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. Mm. So this is, I mean, again, Paul never rebukes them for grieving. He's just like, hey. I want you to keep this in right perspective. Death is not the end. Yeah. And for believers um, who may have been taught that we shouldn't grieve, we shouldn't cry, we shouldn't feel it, it's like, no, 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 grieve. Yeah. Feel it. Yeah. But feel it with that reality of knowing this ain't, that ain't the end. Mm-hmm. I'm excited about the sermon we're about to preach on Sunday called uh, No More Graveyards. <laughs> and it's like, because death is not the end, but death has an end. Praise mm. God. And yeah, yeah. that is just like, that's been my reoccurring hope is, oh, death has an end. Graveyards will be turned into beds of flowers mm-hmm. where life flourishes. You know? Yeah, no doubt, man. Graveyards will be wiped away. We ain't gonna see no more of them soon. Yeah, yeah. And with that kind of hope, it's like, oh, I can feel this now. Because it prepares me for something right. It prepares me for something better. Mm-hmm. Um, Are you saying that grief in itself is an apologetic? Grief in itself is oh. apologetic. For all those who say, why do bad things happen? Great question. The Bible has asked, asked that is a couple times. interesting. Grief is an apologetic. Grief is, that is a good word. Grief huh. is an apologetic for the faith. Yeah. Because, yeah. it, you know, it, it reminds us that this stuff here is wrong not supposed mm. to be like this that's good yes. that's god good. has already made a plan for all these things that are wrong to be made right so mm-hmm. yeah. that's wow. good i think it's important for us to understand that because even as we deal with our own grief you know people have questions about you know why did god allow this why did god allow that you know grief is grief is like you know obviously in bed with the problem of evil in a lot yeah, of people's yeah, minds yeah, absolutely and so I think it's important for us to have a, a good framework for grief, which, I mean, obviously, I think the framework that we've established in this conversation is the Word of God. You, yeah. you, you need to look in the Word of God in order to have a framework for how to deal with grief. But, man, helping others process grief, I think, in, in, a, in a way, can be healing for yourself also. Like, I, I experienced that, you know, this past weekend, and I, I had to allow myself to experience 
my own grief. I, I thought my grief was vicarious in a lot of ways, which it is because I'm not I'm not as close as, you know, uh, my friend's mom and dad and his wife and his children. And so there's a part of me that's just like, well, you know, I, I, I don't have time to shed tears. I have to minister to other people. And yet I, I can't minister to other people if I'm not real with how I'm feeling. Yeah. And so us being real with our feelings, whether it's direct grief from the loss of a direct loved one or it's like vicarious, as in, you know, somebody who is more closely related to that person is dealing with a, maybe a higher level of grief than you still process your own grief and then go and you know be there for that person i think in a lot of ways you know our presence with people you know us giving them permission to grieve is it, it's not the you know the end-all answer to the question of you know why does god allow evil but at the same time us being present with people and you know being ministers and servants i think can help them cope in a lot of yeah. ways like i think the beauty is um the first thing that God cursed after the fall wasn't man it was death mm-hmm. he cursed that's Satan right first that's true and the last thing he deals with is death yeah it's the last thing he gets rid of yeah so it's kind of like oh God really had this planned out like oh this grief thing does have an end mm-hmm. and it does and, and because of that we do have something to latch on to exactly when we feel like we're being drugged through the darkest of days. I always tell people there is a Psalm 88, yes, but there's a Psalm 89 afterwards. Mm. <laughs> mm. Psalm 88, yes. That'll it, preach. There is, <laughs> there is darkness is my only friend. But then literally Psalm 89, I'm a I'm a close out. Go on, pull on it up. Closing. <laughs> Coming to a close. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> 20 minutes yeah. later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How many doors on this message? I'm preaching. I'm preaching. If I can get to it, they're they making me well, laugh. Why are you finding it? I, it just kind of makes me think about how all these other religions don't really have a solution to, to the problem of death. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, I haven't researched every single world religion, but, you know, a lot of the popular ones, it's uh, reincarnation mm-hmm. or, you know, something of that sort. Or maybe the elites of society, you know, Egyptians or whatever, the pharaohs get to come back and, and right. do life again, which, which is still kind of reincarnation. But, yeah, yeah. you know, Jesus is the only one who kind of evens the score. Like anyone can come. Yeah. All, you know, come all who you're who are heavy laden. I'll give you I'll rest. Give you rest. So, yes. mm-hmm. yeah. 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 Psalm 89 starts off and says, after darkness is my only friend, I will sing about the Lord's faithful love forever. Mm. I will proclaim your faithfulness to all generations with my my mouth, for I declare faithful love is built up forever. You establish your faithfulness in the heavens. This is literally how Psalm 89 Mm -hmm. starts on the tail end of everything's falling. Wow. Wow. (laughs) That's awesome. And I think that is the same way all of us who are grieving now, what we will look to is, Lord, you're faithful. Mm -hmm. You're faithful. Yeah. So Wayne, any closing remarks, Bishop? <laughs> Don't do that. The right reverend. Don't do that. Um Yeah, man, like this conversation's been helpful for me. Um to your point, like we're gonna have loss is just a part of life. It, it is what it is. And to your point, sis, about you know how grief being an apologetic means that there's something wrong that God has ordained to make right. And so that that gives us hope to kind of walk through grief and accept it and feel it 
and not be afraid of it. You know, what was the quote that uh, the young lady that you mentioned? Grief is not the enemy. Death is. Yeah. Right. Like, so we, we, we can we can feel free to to hurt and to feel pain and, you know, not have to be you know, strong all the time. You know, it's, it's it's in our weakness that he's his strength is perfected. So that's encouraging. It really is. Well, as Ty said, <laughs> all you who are, who are laden and heavy burdens, mm-hmm. and all you who are carrying grief right now, come to the one who will give you rest, because he's the one who has overcome death itself. Yeah. And this is another episode of Theology on the Block, where we talk about Christian theology from an urban perspective. We out!